Anybody ever started something that you've uh, never finished? This is a, a road that was uh, began in a town in Italy. And as you can see from the end, it's been unfinished for quite some time. Don't know if it was uh, run out of money or um, bureaucratic red tape, but uh, that road was not completed. Have you ever started something that you didn't finish? Nobody, everybody's finished everything. They've, oh, okay, wait. Yeah. From a book, you may have started a book and you didn't finish it. You just thought uh, either time or just that's not worth reading. Uh, a project, a New Year's resolution, maybe. It's one thing to, to not finish something that you started, there's a, there's a time frame for, right? Like if there's a book, I can read a book in a week or so, but I don't finish it. Or I persevere in, finish it because it's fairly short. It's another thing, though, to not just finish something that has a time frame, but to finish, so to speak, something that is ongoing, that um, really doesn't have an end point. Um, that's what we really mean by persevering, what we really mean by continuing on with something. And that is much more difficult to do. Um, it's harder to, to finish something, to continue something when you don't know what the time frame is. Think in particular about uh, specifically relationships. Um, there are times in life when relationships end, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for amoral reasons, sometimes for poor reasons. Um, but I think particularly about relationships and continuing and enduring even when those become difficult. This morning we're going to talk specifically about continuing in our relationship with God, specifically as it refers to our relationship to Him as we relate to His Word. So if you will turn with me to 2 Timothy this morning in chapter 3, we are going to look at a passage of Scripture beginning in verse 14. Um, but 2 Timothy is a book that is um, about God's Word. From beginning to end, 2 Timothy um, really is it's a book about his word. And this is kind of Paul's summary of all that he said to Timothy about his word. And so I want to read beginning in verse 14. But before I do that, how many of you know 2 Timothy 3.16? How many of you know that verse? All Scripture is inspired, inspired by God, or some versions say God-breathed. And is useful for, without looking, teaching, teaching. well before that, teaching, reproof or rebuke, correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, depending on which version you have. A lot of people are at least familiar with that verse, but how many of you know verses 14 and 15? One of the things that we've talked about in here over and over again about memorizing Scripture is the danger is is we yank passages out of context and we, we don't really know what it goes with. Now, I don't want to discourage you from memorizing Scripture. What I want to encourage you to do is when you memorize a verse or two, learn the context that it's in. Why did Paul say all Scripture is God-breathed? What's his point? It's a statement. It's not a command. 
just this statement. You know, sometimes I think we like statements because we can use them for other people. We can use them because we know knowledge. We know facts. We love facts. We're Americans. We like to look things up and learn things. But in the context, this is really a reason why of something. That's what we're going to look at this morning. So beginning in verse 14, Paul writes, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Father, I pray that you'd use your word this morning to teach us, to encourage us, but also to challenge us. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Um, Where we're going this morning, we are going to talk about these things. We are going to talk about that Paul challenges Timothy, commands him to continue in the word for three reasons. It leads to salvation, it comes from God, and it prepares us to be able to serve in any situation we come across. You're going to see those again. I'm going to move that slide in a second, um, but you'll see those again. But that's where we're going this morning. But before we get there, a little bit of context. Again, as we said, this whole book is about God's Word. From beginning to end, Paul is trying to convince Timothy that the Word, the Old Testament, and what he has learned from at least Paul, if not other apostles as well, is very valuable for him. Um, This is the end of that, but he has talked about not being ashamed of God's Word. He's talking about guarding it like it's a treasure. He's talked about entrusting it to other people. Another familiar verse in 2 Timothy 2.2. He's talked about accurately handling it. And now at the end, um, he's going to talk about, Timothy, you need to continue in it. You need to continue in it. This whole book is about um, God's Word. And Timothy uh, needs to appreciate that there are benefits that come from God's Word uh, and there are problems when we ignore it, when we reject it. Well, who is this Timothy guy and does this apply to me? Most of Paul's letters are written to churches, to a broad group of people. And yes, all those things apply to us because we're part of God's church. But this is written to one man in a particular situation, so does it apply to me? Can I say, well, I know Timothy should continue in the Word, but should I? So who is this Timothy guy? Is he a a backsliding Christian who needs a good swift kick in the pants? Is that who he is? You think, is that who Timothy is? Uh, Probably not. We get hints that's not who he is. Is he just an average guy who struggles with life the same way that you and I do? Does he struggle with jobs and relationships and the world and the flesh and the devil? You think that's who Timothy is? Yeah, and if you don't think that's who Timothy is, you're deceived. Right? We tend to put people like Timothy and Paul and Peter up on pedestals and say, oh, they don't have the problems I have. They don't have to deal with my job or my neighbor or my spouse or my best friend who keeps doing stupid things. Right? But they do. Timothy and Paul and Peter and John and all the rest of the people that wrote books are just like you and I.
God just chose to use them to inform us of things that He wanted us to know. But Timothy is also a, someone that Paul implicitly trusts to lead churches. And so if there's someone that Paul implicitly trusts to lead churches, and he says, Timothy, you need to continue in the Word, right? The idea of the argument from greater to lesser. If the greater needs to do something, then the lesser does too. If you don't think that you should be entrusted to lead a church, Timothy needs to continue in the Word, and certainly you do as well. And because Timothy is just an average Joe that struggles with life the same way you do, you need to continue in the Word as well. It's not really an option for us. So he gets this command in verse 14, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them, referring to not only Paul, but other things in the past. And from childhood you have known the sacred writings, talking about specifically the Old Testament. So he's talking about the Old Testament and apostles' teachings that are being passed down to him, which we know today as this, our Bible. So while Paul doesn't say, Timothy, you need to continue in those 66 books of the Bible, that's what he's talking about, what you have in your hands this morning. That's the command. And so the first question, are you continuing in the Word? A recent study was done by uh, Lifeway Christian Resources. Over half of churchgoers, this isn't just people who claim to be Christian or the general population, these are people that regularly attend church. Over half of churchgoers spend time in the Word once a week or less. Over half people that show up at a church on a Sunday morning spend time in the Word once a week or less. Only 20% of those surveyed, one in five, spend time in this book on a daily basis. And I would say that's insufficient. Um, Poorly lacking for something that, as we'll talk about in a second, is uh, our source of life, our source of instruction on how to live this life. But that's the state of where we are. So the question that we've got to ask ourselves is, am I continuing in this word? That word continue is the same word that John uses in in John chapter 15, where he says to abide in Christ. It's to remain. It's not just that I've got it on my shelf, and then I bring it to church, and I haven't forgotten it. I can probably even still tell you the order of the books in the Bible, at least, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, at least a few, right? It's that I'm abiding, I'm remaining in this book. That when it says continue, he means, Timothy, on a regular basis, you need to be gaining nourishment from God's Word. Continuing is remaining, it's abiding, it's where we get our source of strength, it's where we get our information about a holy God who loves us and cares for us. It's ongoing. It's continuous. It's also not just, I'm going to be in that 20%, I'm going to read it every day and check my box. There's there's an interaction with the Word. Abiding in something means I'm allowing it to affect me. I'm allowing it to give me nourishment. It's not just doing it to 
Again, check off a box. Yes, I read the Word today. Well, how did it change you? How did it affect you? How did it affect the way that you dealt with people that you came in contact with? How did it affect your mental attitude? How did it affect the way that you think, that you do your job, that you relate to people that you love, that you relate to people that you don't love? So why? Why should we continue in this book? Paul gives us three reasons. First of all, it leads to salvation. Verse 15, second half. It's able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It is in here that we learn about life and in the context, again, we back up even farther, verses 12 and 13, Paul says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This gives us knowledge of the fact that we have salvation despite when things aren't going well, when we are persecuted, when the enemy has a knife at our throat. It reminds us that God has taken care of our eternal destiny. We continue in this because we need to be continually reminded that we have salvation, that we belong to the King, that we're a child of Him, and that we're on mission for Him. It also shows us when we are faking it. Verse 14 I'm sorry, verse 13, but evil men and imposters. Right? It, it's like a mirror that we can hold up and look at and we go, oh, wait a minute, I'm not reflecting who God is. I'm faking it. I'm acting like an imposter. Uh, saying all the right words, but my life doesn't line up with what this book says. And this book says that salvation changes us. It makes us different. It saves us from the penalty and also the power of sin. So it leads us to salvation. And it's possible that we've just been kind of going through the motions all our life and we've never really trusted in Christ for our salvation. Maybe we grew up in church. Maybe we've learned all the right answers. Maybe we say all the right things. Maybe we've even read this book from cover to cover. But we've never actually said... God, I can't do it. I need you because I keep trying and trying to live up and I'm not trusting in the perfection of your Son to give me salvation. We continue in this because it either confirms what we know to be true or it points out where we are just seeking to do it on our own and trying to live a godly life by ourselves. But Paul would say when he would say, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's talking to believers. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to act according to His good purpose. Or as he says to the Galatians, O foolish Galatians, having begun by the Spirit, having trusted, are you now trying to be perfected in the flesh? I think Paul's not just talking about initial salvation, but that ongoing process of conforming us into the image of His Son. Are you continuing in the Word because it leads to salvation? It reminds us that our daily life has to be lived out by faith. Second, it comes from God Himself. Again, verse 16, 
The reason you are to continue, Timothy, is because all Scripture is inspired by God. It's literally God-breathed. The doctrine of inspiration, we believe that God superintended the process of the human authors through their own personalities, their own situations, their own time and place, their own writing styles to record what He wanted recorded for us. There are a few places in Scripture where there's actual dictation that took place. I want you to write these words. But the doctrine of inspiration, we, we believe, is that God superintended the process. Peter would say it this way, men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And if it is God-breathed, if God did speak this, if the God of the universe, the one who created everything and knows how it all works, if He spoke this, how would we not spend time in it? Because this is the instruction manual for how to deal with all of life. There's nothing that you face that there aren't answers for in here. Whether that's relationships, or work, or dealing with our own heart, whether it's sin. And it, it boggles my mind how easily I'm distracted away from the beauty and the truths that are in this to chase something else. It really it does. Sometimes I'll, I'll think, why in the world would you chase after that when you could be spending time with the God of the universe learning His truths and how I'm supposed to live and relate to the people around me? And I think, why do I do that? A need to continue in this book is also a reminder to continue in this book. All things that pertain to life and godliness, Peter said, can be found in here. Not some of the things, or maybe most of the things, but all things that pertain to life, how we live life in this world, and how to look like God to godliness can be found in His Word. If God is faithful, if He doesn't change, and He inspired this, then this is still relevant for my life today more so than anything else that we could ever read or discover from anywhere else. So we continue in this Word because it comes from God. It leads to salvation. It comes from God. Um, and then there's the very practical aspect is it prepares us for any and every opportunity to serve. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable, the New American Standard says. Some versions say useful Others say, beneficial, it's helpful to you. How is it helpful? Well, then he lists four ways that it's helpful. Number one, in teaching. Just a general term for instruction. There are things in here, wisdom from God, that deals with relationships, that deals with work, that deals with parenting, that deals with conflict, that deals with sin, that deals with your own heart, with money, with time. There's instruction in here to make us wise. That's how it's beneficial because it tells us how life works, how people work, and how they're broken, and how there's a solution for that brokenness in Christ, and how we can know peace and joy. 
Second, uh, reproof or rebuke. Reproof or rebuke. It is a strong disapproval of what's going on. Right? Do you read this and hold it up to your life and does it ever speak to you and say, oh, I, that's not what I look like? God really does want us to look like Him. And so oftentimes we need to read this with an eye in our own heart and take the rebuke that comes. This morning, for some of you, that rebuke may be, are you spending time in my word on a regular basis? Are you continuing? Are you abiding in the truths of God's word? Or is it something that you just do on Sunday morning if you remember to grab the Bible on the way out the door? But it lets us know when we're not bearing God's image. And that's a rebuke. Sometimes that's painful. The good news is if we keep reading over and over and over again, it says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or wording that's very similar to that. It reminds us that there is grace. It reminds us that God sent His Son for us and how will He not freely give us all things when we have trusted in Him. The third thing is it corrects us. Now, here's what this is not. right? So you get in an accident and your, your back bumper has been broken, the, the red plastic, right? And so you go to the store and you get red tape and put over it so you don't get a ticket, right? You've corrected the problem, correct? But that's not what this word means. This word is not duct tape, right? This word is corrective restoration. It's putting it back the way it's supposed to be. That's what he means by that. Turn over with me to Ephesians chapter 4. This is what Paul does. There is rebuke and corrective restoration over and over again. Look at verse 25 of chapter 4. He says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, so there's the, the rebuke, don't, don't lie, right? But then there's corrective restoration. It's not just, let's fix the problem by you stop lying. Let's put you back with your lips the way you're supposed to be. Speak truth, each of you, with his neighbor. And then there's a why, for we are members of one another. It's corrective restoration. It's moving someone from a state of sin, not just to a neutral state, but to the way we're supposed to be with our lips, with our words. Another one, verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer. There's the rebuke. Stop stealing. But he doesn't just leave them that way. It's not just, okay, I've, I've rebuked you. I hope that you correct yourself and stop stealing. No. But rather he must work, performing with his own hands. Why? Why do we do that? Why do we work? So that he will have something to share with him who has need. It's not just duct tape. Okay, I've, I've stopped you from stealing. That's good. You're good now. And God will be happy. No. He wants us to be fully Alive, And that means we don't just not steal, we work so that we have something to bless someone else with. That's what that word is talking about. Okay, think. It's not duct tape, right? It's someone who comes in and not only fixes the problem, but restores it. Someone who restores a classic old beat-up car. Spends hours and hours 
fixing and putting back and finding the right parts and buffing and painting and restoring so that it looks the way it's supposed to look. It's corrective restoration. That's what this word will do for us. It helps us get back into the place that we were supposed to be. Third, training in righteousness. Or fourth, training in righteousness. Um, It provides guidance for responsible living. It helps us to live in the culture where we are. It trains us to live righteously, that's hard to say, where we are today. Think about it as this book helps us to live in our culture effectively for Christ. It's guidance for responsible living. Why? Well, the numeric sentence says so that we're adequate. That sort of is not an adequate word. It has a, a weird connotation, at least in my mind. Um, it's a word that means well-fitted for a certain function. Right? It does all these things for us. It teaches us, it rebukes us, it corrects us, it trains us in righteousness so that we function correctly where God has placed us. So it says we're equipped for every good work. Think about for every opportunity to serve. That's what God has called us to, to serve in His kingdom. And this word, the reason we continue in this word is because it equips us to do that well. Regardless of our personality, regardless of how we were brought up, regardless of our sin, regardless of our hang-ups, regardless of our past, this book with the power of the Spirit can help you be effective where God has placed you, every single one of you. The I can't do that with God's Spirit and God's Word is, it just doesn't make sense. Yes, you can. This equips you to do what needs to be done. There's one last thing that's, that's not apparent here, but if you read all of Second Timothy and read any of Paul's writings or Peter's writings or <coughs> listening to Jesus, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. This has to happen ultimately in community. You should spend time in this Word on your own, letting God speak to your heart on a regular basis, on a daily basis. But if you are not also spending time in this Word in some form of community, then you're missing out on the wonderful blessings and benefits and gifts of having other people speak into your life and see your blind spots as you look at passages of Scripture. Because we are ultimately very deceptive of ourselves. We will lie to ourselves. That's not my problem. I don't struggle with that. And so we have to do this, this continuing in the Word, in community. And if you're not doing this in some form or fashion in community, my challenge to you is to do that. And as we've said over and over again, there are several people in this room who would love to do that with you. Pick up the phone and call. We've given opportunities over and over over the course of the time that we've been here for you to join in community to spend time in God's Word. And I would challenge you to continue to do that. Young people, the same as you. Some of you are getting to the point where you're driving. Are you taking advantage of the fact that you have freedom to use that freedom to find community to spend time in this world with brothers and sisters in Christ? Will you nag your parents until they, until you, that you want to spend time with someone else in the Word your age until they take you somewhere if you're not driving? You have the pastor's permission to do that. 
We need to do this in community or it's not going to happen. Our admonition, because this is God's Word, continue in it. Continue in it. Let's pray. Father, thank You for um, Your Word. Thank You for the truth that is in it. God, I pray that You would um, encourage us, strengthen us through Your Spirit, empower us, help us to develop the discipline of spending time in Your Word. We need it, but God, ultimately we need You. We need Your Spirit to lead and guide and direct us and to show us where we fall short. God, I pray that You would encourage us as we go through our week and that You would use us for Your glory. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.